Welcome to the Collections by Michelle Brown show. A show about people living between the lines, standing boldly in the crosshairs of their intersectionality as they create change. This episode is brought to you in partnership with the Center for Peace Counseling and Holistic Healing Services. Collections by Michelle Brown. I'm your host, Michelle Brown. Each week, we'll be talking with people living between the lines, standing boldly in the crosshairs of their intersectionality, and creating change. Today, I'm joined by blogger and executive producer of the G-Listed, Wadey Grant. Wadey was born in Sacramento, raised in Kansas City, bred in Chicago, developed in Atlanta, and is currently living in New York City. He started blogging in 2005 under different aliases about urban pop culture. He started the G-Listed, which was then known as the G-List Society, in 2012. The G-Listed is an online media networking and entertainment group that caters to the style of life and the social scene of LGBT, queer, same-gender loving, people of color. It's an appreciation of black pop and queer cultures that publishes its annual The Black LGBTQ Power 100 list to celebrate black LGBTQ same gender loving achievers around the world and also the 100 outstanding personalities of color. The Power 100 list has an average readership of more than 100,000 audience impressions yearly. Wadey has been a contributor to the Chicago Red Eye and Windy City Times newspapers. As a blogger, he has interviewed dozens of Hollywood and music celebrities and dozens of LGBT personalities. His passions are topics of music, urban pop culture, TV, arts, city life, gay lifestyle, and black gay milestones and achievements. He's also hosted and produced dozens of social, professional networking, and live music events in Chicago and New York City since 2005. He also served as a producer on the televised Out Music Awards in 2009 on the local network. Wadey and the G-Listed Media has been featured, quoted, and or published in Positively Black, Gawker, Gothamist, Oprah's Lifecraft, Chicago Red Eye, Windy City Times, Ebony, Sandra Rose, Bossip, Nicole Bitchy, The YBF, Media Takeout, SGL Weekly, Rod 2.0, TMZ, Joe My God, NY Eater, Moguldom Media, CBS2 Chicago News, and other media outlets. Wadey, Welcome to Collections by Michelle Brown. How are you today? I'm wonderful. Thank you for the warm welcome. Oh, yeah. I mean, I still remember hanging out with you in Chicago, which, you know, I, which I always say if you hung out in Chicago for a while, makes it like training ground for cold weather anywhere. And um, 
And one thing that I, I remember most about you and that always makes me happy is when I see your smile. You have the greatest smile. And then the other thing is your birthday is the same day as my brother's, which makes you my brother by another mother. <laughs> oh, well, thank you. I mean, I, I feel the same way about your presence because even whether it's in person or through online, I just feel like this whole, you know, just beam of happiness. And, and I like that when people's personalities are that infectious, even through the Internet. It's just amazing. Now, you know, most people go like, you know, what is it they say, go west, young man? But you sort of like mm-hmm. started on the west coast and have gone east. I sure did. I mean, <laughs> I, I know, I know. And, you know, how do you think that, that that journey of life, how did it get you to New York? Lots of resilience. Lots mm-hmm. of resilience. Um, I was speaking with my uh, therapist on Monday, or I forgot what day of the week I saw her, but, you know, as we were talking, she just mentioned the word, how resilient I am, and... Uh, that's how I would have to sum up my life, especially when we talk about a journey. Yes, resilience. Um, going from California to Kansas to Chicago, down to Atlanta, back to Chicago, and then to New York with a few places in between. It took lots of resilience um, just just because of the challenges I had to face throughout the moves and the journeys and who I was as a person during those times and um, the circumstances that I had to deal with. Um, It definitely was not a cakewalk. I think only very strong people who don't even know that they're strong can handle what I've handled. Um, But I'm glad to be here. Um, I just, um, yeah, I mean, that's just really how I feel. I mean, if, if I were to sum up my journey in one word, I have to say resilience. No, I mean, really, I mean, it's like you've, and you've had your dream and you've had your passion and it seems like you have followed it. One of the things that I remember really clearly about you, we were in my car, it was you it's about three or four of us. I forget what kind. I think it was a Ford Escape. We were driving from like the south side of Chicago to downtown. Traffic was just like not moving. And in this time that we were talking, you talked about your first name and reclaiming your first name and how that was a big part of you. Could you relate that story? Sure. Um, I mean, just, well, first of all, just how I got the name Wadey, it's five generations old um, in the uh, Shawnee um, Indian tribe. Uh, Skip my grandfather, though, so that's why I'm not Wadey the fifth. I'm only Wadey the second. (laughs) But, you know, so, or I say Wadey Jr. I never said Wadey the second. But um, Reclaiming Wadey series, first it was a series I was supposed to start it last year, or two years ago, 2016. And um, why I needed to start it then, or why I started it in 2017, was the very reason why I needed to start it in 2016. Around 
2016, or sometime in early 2016, despite all the greatness I have achieved and how I touch people's lives, or, you know, just the wonderful things people say to me about my platform, I was sunken into a deep depression. I, I was really losing myself very rapidly uh, because I felt like I was, at that time, was more so living my life for other people and not myself. I put everyone else's needs before my own, and I lost out many times because of that. Reclaiming Wadey, of course, I got that from Reclaiming My Time by uh, mm-hmm. Honorable Maxine Waters. Um, just, you know, being that she when she said Reclaim My Time, everybody started applying that to their mantras. But instead of Reclaiming My Time, I wanted to Reclaim Myself. Um so this Reclaiming Weighty series is not finished yet. It's a series of blog posts. I believe I'm on Chapter 7 or 8 of 20, where I look over my entire life of challenges that I felt that I haven't come to peace with. And then when I say my entire life, yes, I mean from birth to being mm-hmm. 41 years old today. So I started it off with some chapters in childhood, uh, with um, complex relationships with the family I grew up with, especially being a family full of women, to not having either parent in my life for most of my childhood, all the way to present day with relationships, dealing with health issues, dealing with uh, mental health, and all kinds of other things. So with that... Each chapter I've written so far, I have come to total peace with. Mm. Um, It feels liberating, and uh, for those who have read any of the chapters, it starts off with a long um, spoken word, um, well, I don't want to call it a poem, but just a long spoken piece where I say these are the words, these are the stories that I've wanted to say for so many years, but I could not find that right person. Like my friends, nothing, you know, nothing against my friends, but they're not the greatest listeners. Um, and what I mean by that is I just like to tell my story without giving advice unless I ask for it. And I'm surprised none mm-hmm. of them have gotten that by now. Um, I went through a couple of therapists who just weren't a good fit because they were like my friends. You know, you should, you should, you should. And I'm like, you're not even listening to what I'm saying. That's mm-hmm. not even where the answer is. So I got frustrated with that. And lo and behold, as I was writing the first couple of chapters, I did finally meet a therapist that I'm actually pleased with. Um, because the biggest thing that I like about her is she asks for permission for me to talk about certain things. Like, one thing I really don't talk about publicly is my love life. Mm-hmm. And um, because it's complicated, <laughs> I just say that. And um, And also, too, it's not something that, I just want to put out there without rhyme or reason. Um, and so when she asked 
for me to talk about that, I felt comfortable going there instead of saying, are you single or are you having sex or whatever? You know, I feel like being asked that, those kind of questions and those kind of ways are so intrusive. But Mm -hmm. she asked me to go there and then just talk. And it was very, very liberating to talk about my love life. And when I get to talk with her, just like when I write these Reclaiming Weighty chapters, it's really a freestyle. I just come up with the chapters, and then I write, and I write, and I write until I felt like I finished telling the story and that I've come to peace before publishing it. Um, Now, I have written lots of articles that are personal to me, or that's, you know, about our lifestyle as um, LGBTQ people of color. And I always get the feedback, oh, thank you for sharing this. You know, this is I've experienced this, or it's inspiring you to help me through, blah, 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 blah. Well, with the Reclaiming Weighty, my goal wasn't to try to speak for other people or to help other people. It was really just letting go of what I had going on inside. So part of the spoken word was I don't care if five people read it. I don't care if five million people read it. I don't care if I get judged wrongly. I don't care if I get praised for it. This is my story. This is what I need to speak and come to peace with. Um, I have to say the result is, yes, I've been getting feedback from people saying how much they've been um, blessed or, you know, whatever it is that they felt that they needed to get from a similar story like mine. But for self, I have begun the process of reclaiming myself from two years of deep depression Hmm. and many years of not putting myself first, even as a blogger, even Mm -hmm. as a person of the community where most of my problems lie. So I I even thank you for even bringing that up because this is my first time speaking publicly about why I wanted to do Reclaiming Weighty. I really didn't think people would notice it enough to ask me, so I thank you. Well, you know, and I think, too, and I remember in the, in the conversation that we had, like you were talking about how growing up and throughout life that people want to, like, mispronounce it or change it. I know you said how sometimes we want to call you Wade, you know, and I like that. But it's a, like, did you did you often feel that fighting for your name was fighting for the real you? Absolutely. Wow. I've never been asked that question before. Um. So to for the listeners, um, my name is spelled W A D D R E. Well, you'll see it once she posts it, but that's mm-hmm. how my name is spelled. So people, most people read it as Wadi, um, you know, for whatever phonetic reasons I understand. Ever since grade school, I always had to correct people, say my name is Wadi or Wadi. Um, oh, so you remember the story I told you probably about me getting into trouble in the eighth grade with a substitute teacher telling me how my name is pronounced mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and um, and questioning why my name was pronounced that way, which 
for me, why would an adult try to challenge a child over their name? But I ended up getting in trouble because I felt like I had to stand up against her to defend my name and who I am. And you're not going to make me feel small because I was born Weighty Grant. I was born Weighty. I was given the name. I didn't choose it, and I'm wearing it proudly. I mean, Mm -hmm. you denying me is like denying my father, my great-grandfather, and great-great-grandfather. How dare you? But, um, you know, I forgot, like, all that happened. I don't know if I was sent to the principal's office, but I know when my main teacher, regular teacher, came back, I was all of a sudden like a black sheep to her because I went from favorite student to black sheep for defending my name. I didn't cuss the stuff to teach her out. I just stood up in my chair and told her, that is my name. If you tell like if you have a problem with it, you deal with it yourself or whatever. Um, so throughout life, when people first pronounce my name is Weighty, I do get happy. <laughs> oh, wow, <laughs> you got it right. It's usually like maybe 15% chance that a stranger will pronounce my name correctly. However, when I was in high school, this is when I got to move with my dad in um, the suburbs of Chicago from Kansas, um, I noticed his coworkers or his friends were really his coworkers, called him Wade. And that created a light bulb in my in my mind. Oh wow, I could be called Wade too since he's being called Wade. And um so I adopted the nickname Wade for me and I would introduce myself that as Wade. Now the problem was um, when people would see me write my real name, they would say, well, why is your name Wadi or Wadey? Hmm. That's my real name. People would confuse Wadey as the nickname for Wade, which I would never understand because usually nicknames have lesser syllables, lesser um, letters. So that's why Wade is the nickname, but no. <laughs> People always mm-hmm. assume Wade because I guess it sounds childlike, it sounds nicknameish. Yeah, so it it was frustrating, but then I started to confuse myself. Um by the time I got to college and young adulthood because Wadey had a personality and Wade had a personality. Wade was cool. Wade was outgoing. Wade was, you know, the fun guy. Wadey mm-hmm. was serious. Wadey was studious. Wadey was, you know, just by the books type of guy. So here and now, I'm adopt. Now that I've adopted a character for Wade, I felt like, oh gosh, do I have a split personality? <laughs> who, you know, it was just me. Mm-hmm. And this is my first time talking about this, by the way, because that was like, I, I love this question, these questions you're giving me. Gosh. Um, so, yeah, Wade was a character that at first I just thought it was a nickname, but it actually became a character. And by the time I got to, let's say, late 20s, I really wanted to do away with Wade because if I'm signing my name, I have to sign it as Wade. 
And I got tired of people who knew me as Wade questioning, well, who's Wadey? Why are you sounding Wadey or who's Wadey? I, I just got tired of questioning that. And I wanted to put it to rest. Going forward, I'm introducing myself as Wade. And if I need to explain any name, that's the only name I'll explain. I don't need to compare it to Wade, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so it got to be like that after, I would say, probably my late 20s. However, the challenge now is it it always depended on when you got to know me. Did you get to know me? Did I introduce you to myself as Wade? Did I introduce you to myself as Wadey? Did I introduce you to myself as Wadey and you knew my nickname Wade or vice versa? So it was like all these four different chapters. I had to like finally put it all together to go forward and say everybody going forward would know me as Wadey. It's too many names to keep up with. Yes, it's only two, but it was chapters in life of why I gave myself one name or the other. It's kind of like when people in our community, they change their names totally when they move to a new town or become a new age. And then people find out what your real name is and want to know more about it. That's too much to keep up with. (laughs) That is. And if Mm -hmm. I were to do that all over again, I probably would come up with a totally different name than just Wade versus Wadey. Uh, But Mm -hmm. I tell anybody, especially if you're young, coming up, finding yourself, stick to what you were given at birth. Be proud of it. Wear wear it well. And people will respect it totally. Don't give people the opportunity to tell you who you are. You define yourself. Um, You don't, don't give people the opportunity if you have a name that's quote unquote uncommon or quote unquote uneasy to pronounce, don't tell don't give people the power to tell you how it should be. They didn't give you the name. Your parents, your mm-hmm. family, you know, and that's even if you weren't asked to be in the family or asked to be born or asked to have that name, that's still what you were given since age zero. Mm-hmm. Be proud of it. Well, you know, I'll tell you, in that moment, when you told me that story and hearing you now, that's when I know you're my brother from another mother because my older sister had an unusual name. And she had that, like, eighth grade experience, and she didn't fight for her name. She came back and said, oh, well, well, they can call me this. And my mother was heartbroken. You know, she said, you know, she talked about, what that name meant and that to be yourself. And when you told that, I could see my mother like sort of smiling and said, yes, I, was, I had his back back then because it, it is so important. And that lesson that you learn about being, you know, you had that name. That name has, has meaning. It, was, it wasn't just like some, something picked out of a book. It, there was some thought to it. And I often right. tell people, even, even if your name is, is I talked to someone, and in fact, you know, um, Andre Guess, and we were talking, and I said, how did you get that name? And he said, well, my mother couldn't spell Andre, but she came up with this. And I said, Bo, but it has, you know, she thought about this name. So claim it. And, and that's what I like that you're doing 
then in talking about it, like you said, and I believe that too, whether one person reads it or a gazillion people read it, you have to put that out there. And somewhere out there is a little lady who's going to go like, you know what? This is my name, <laughs> and I'm standing for it. And that's really important. You know, so. That's and why, I, like, I never made fun of people who had, quote, unquote, you know, uncommon or peculiar names. Um, like, what was it? When in pop culture, a lot of black people came against Raven Simone for uh, clowning the name Walla Melandrea or something like that. Mm-hmm. And um, I just know just from somebody who had to go through hearing, and I just don't want to, I, I, I'm at this point, I don't put race on it, but, mm-hmm. yeah, we could say, you know, this is, um, has something to do with, like, some kind of patriarchy or some kind of, you know, whitewashing thing where, oh, because I have these letters in my name, this is the only way it could be phonetically pronounced. And it's not true. I mean, especially if your name comes from a different language, a different ethnicity, tribe, it's pronounced the way they have it. Not everything has to be according to the way the English um, say things or do things. The English way is not always the right way. For me, mm-hmm. whatever I do is the right way, even if it's wrong. It's the right way for that time. So how mm-hmm. I pronounce my name is the right way, and everybody well, must follow. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, and I think that that's, a, that's a perfect because, you know, one of the things that you try to do, with, like, what you talk about with the G-listed, is that appreciation of black, pop, and queer cultures. And what, which I like about it, too, because often I find that you highlight people, you highlight things that aren't trying to be, you know, like crossover, uh, mainstream, whitewashed. It's things that are, if you're a black person, you get it and you like it, you know. Um, in doing that, and you've been doing this for a while, and I know how you say that it wasn't always easy. You started blogging like in 2005, and you started the G-List Society, and you've been doing this for a while. How accepted or how hard has that struggle been and why, when I'm sure it would have been easier for you to go like, shoot, I'm just going to talk about whatever, you know, and, and, get that, and get that paper. How, what helped your commitment to staying to the celebration of pop, black pop and queer cultures? Oh, wow. Um, hmm. It's, yeah, I go back to the word resilience. Um, mm-hmm. I've had this kind of conversation for the last month, maybe about three or four times, and I hate to say that even though my platform celebrates more black LGBTQ people than anything else, I get the most resistance from black LGBTQ people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And at times I just feel like, why bother? I feel like, hmm, our people don't deserve this, or they don't want to hear it from me because I'm not cute enough or muscular enough or, you know, like I don't fit the intelligentsia part of the community or the buff boy, naked Instagram guy part of the community, or, you know, I don't fit in these kind of circles. I'm just an individual, 
which mm-hmm. I thought that would be celebrated, but no. Um, and also, too, my voice isn't, it gets a lot of resistance within our community because with the black LGBTQ millennials in particular, if I don't speak in the voice of oppression more than I do triumph, then I get resistance. So with that said, I if it's not in my heart to do it, that's when I will quit the quit the G list and quit the blog and quit the platform altogether. It's been in my heart to do it. Um I don't care how many hits I get anymore. I don't care I I mean, shoot, there are times when I lose followers on Facebook. And I notice it. Um, like four or five at a at a time per day or something. I don't know why, but it happens. And I mean, there's of course increase, but I see the decrease as well. Is and it's a disheartening at times. And there's times I look at that the number going down, and I just don't care because someone asked me. Um, gosh, I'm trying to remember how he asked the question. Was how do I like what I'm doing? And I said, I'm doing what's in my heart. Mm. Even when I tried to take a long break from it, I was feeling a little depressed because I know I needed to keep writing because it was in my heart to do it. If I'm not publishing, I'm always writing notes that I could publish. And then the notes get, you know, it grows in amount. Yet, I wasn't publishing anything. The result is, okay, lady, you got to stop publishing. Or the the solution is, lady, you got to stop publishing. This is how you're going to feel better. doesn't matter if a few people read it. doesn't matter if these people are against you. doesn't matter if it gets shared all over the place. And then um, I say, again, it's resilience and it's my passion to write. I love writing. It's therapeutic most almost all the time, um, even if nobody agrees with me or it gets hated or it gets loved all over the place. That's fine. Um, the most interesting fact is, and I've said this on my Facebook page uh, recently and a few months ago, that in the 20 years of my servitude in the community where the last six has been as a blogger, uh, well, six as a committed blogger, committed media person, because I've mm-hmm. done a little bit of blogging about the black LGBT community before I started the G-List or the G-List Society, that for the first time, 20, 2018 will be the first time I've been honored publicly by a black gay man. I have been honored by black lesbian women, black lesbian queer women, I mean. I've been honored by non-black LGBTQ people. I've been honored by black trans women. I've been honored by black hetero people. I've been honored by non- or by hetero people overall for my work as a blogger. But in 2018, May 2018 will be the first time I've been honored publicly 
And what it just says to me is just like, wow, despite how it's the unpopular opinion to just even tell me thank you publicly for the time and the energy and the work I've done for the community, then I'm glad I'm not doing this in vain. Mm-hmm. Because if I did it for the accolades, we wouldn't be on this phone call. I would I would have stopped years ago. And you know, I'm go, go ahead. You know, I saw that and I was surprised, but then again, I wasn't surprised because you know I often tell people like community can be such a fickle bitch, you know, and you're yeah. out there and you're doing it and you're doing it and you're doing it, and I know of so many things that you have opened my eyes to. That, you know, where you have been like, and it was like, and this is the first time, I mean, it was like I said, I was surprised, but then not surprised. And so I appreciate that it is that labor of love that you have and your resilience. Because the thing is, what I look at where we are in society, hard work gets I don't don't want to say taken advantage of like in a bad way, but people can definitely utilize our hard work, but it doesn't get glorified or celebrated. It's, you know, it's usually the, um, trying to use the appropriate word, um, the smoke and mirrors, the shallowness of Mm -hmm. what our community is about. And that really pains me. Because my voice is to fight for us as unsung people. The reason why I started the G List is the reason why I started doing the Black LGBTQ Power 100 and everything else in between. Reason why I celebrate you. Reason why I celebrate so many people in our community is because when I read the Advocate, Ebony, Huffington Post, The Root, all these other publications that says, oh, these are the black LGBTQ people you need to follow and you need to know, they usually go with, what, 10, 20, 25, 30 people, all the same people over and over. Some Mm -hmm. of them you haven't heard of in years. Some of them have died. Um, You know, some of them don't even communicate with the black LGBTQ community. And for avenues like The Advocate, Queerty, Huffington Post, Queer Voices, chances are you have to be in a relationship with a white person to be acknowledged. And I have to say, as a person who believes in if you see a problem that you can solve, go ahead and solve it instead of complaining about it. That's why I created the G-Listed. That's mm-hmm. why I've created certain platforms within that that I've created. Because who can better tell our story than us? Nobody. I can't even like what the one thing I struggle with as a writer. I and um, when I was saying about how I've been awarded by black women in the LGBTQ community more than anybody else in the LGBTQ community. I've actually been taken under the wings by black LGBTQ women more than anybody else in the LGBTQ community. But being that I lived my life entirely as a black gay man, I can't write about so many experiences of black black 
um, Les by Queer Women, that that's what I wish I could do. But I can't mm. do it when I don't have the knowledge, the talent, or, you know, the wherewithal to make it happen. If it can't come from a genuine place, if it can't be real, authentic information for whether it's a younger person for someone who's been out in our community for a long time to take this information and feel some sense of pride in it, I can't do it and won't do it. So, I mean, that's the only thing I wish I can do different or do as far as talent-wise as a writer. But I do the best that I can. It's just um, I go back to saying, you know, this is why, you know, I'm glad to be on this show here because you've been supportive of me for years, ever since we've met him beforehand. And then Mm -hmm. I think of some of the other um, lesbian, queer women of color, black in particular, like Phil Apuku from all the way in the U.K. to um, Kim Hunt in Chicago, mm-hmm. and even younger women like Ty Richardson in Chicago and Q Hudson in Chicago and um, Kaz Mitchell here in New York and Jean Wimberly, too. I could say so many names who have supported me privately and publicly, but... I can't even say the same amount of names truly where I could 100% and with no doubt, with no hesitation, could do that for a black gay man like me. Hmm. Wow. But, again, it's the resilience. It's the passion. It's in my heart to do it. I feel like it's been my calling to do it. (laughs) So for everyone who's hearing this, Yeah, it may sound a little doom and gloom, but it's not. It's my story. It's my platform. You need to know the challenges as well as, yes, it's great things that come from it. A lot of great things come from a platform like the G-List and come come from what I do and this show that I'm on. But you need to know that it's not all that glamorous. And if it's in your part to do it, and knowing you're not going to make a lot of money either, let's, let's put that out there. Amen. Yes, I've been in this game for a long time. Mm-hmm. If I did it for the money, I would have given this up a long time ago. Mm-hmm. That's and that's the cool. thing. Like, people ask me about this whole blogging. Oh, I want to do a blog like you. Okay, great. I'm going to support you and give you the information you need to know. But don't go in and thinking you're going to be as popular as the advocate or you're going to be popular mm-hmm. as Queerty or Autostraddle or Curve. You're not, especially if you're representing this intersectionality of black, les, bi, queer, gay, trans people of color. Mm-hmm. It's not. Mm-hmm. There's other opportunities that can work for you because I've done some great non-monetary opportunities, got to meet people, got to do speaking engagements, got to go on trips, got to really connect with people that I've been wanting to connect with for the longest. And some opportunities I missed that I could kick myself in the butt for, but that's another story. (laughs) Well, okay. Well, we're going to take our first break here, and um, we're going to talk a little bit more about that when we come back. So you're listening to Collections by Michelle Brown with my very, very special guest, Wadey Grant, and we will be right back.
This episode of Collections by Michelle Brown is brought to you in partnership with the Center for Peace Counseling and Holistic Healing Services, bringing balance to your mind, body, and spirit. For more information or to schedule an appointment, visit the Center at www.thecenterforpeacellc.com. back here today talking with Wadey Grant. He is a blogger and the executive producer of the G-Listed. Wadey, one of the things I have to tell you that I want to also thank you and respect that you did was after we lost Stephen Maglott, who did the Ubuntu Project, and while people were trying to figure out what to do, You held that space. You didn't try to do exactly what he did, but you held that space about knowing the importance of telling our stories and chronicling them and recognizing that these people, um, you know, that these births happened and that this was our history. And you held that space. And it would have been, you know, and a lot of people, I'm sure, said, oh, it's just too much work and they did it. And I know it wasn't like you were getting in royalties or whatever, but you recognize the importance of it, and you did that. And, I mean, earlier last year, about the time of his birthday, I did a a show about that, and uh, Andre and Mark both talked about how, you know, how you held that space, and you didn't do it, you didn't go out, and you didn't, you know, say, hey, hey, look, I'm going to do this. You just picked picked it up and did that. And I applaud you for that, and I thank you for doing that. Thank you so much. I mean, and you're welcome because, again, this is where I go back to what I was saying in the earlier segment is that when you see a problem, or not even a problem, that I don't consider a problem, a challenge or an opportunity, and you could do something about it, what is the point of complaining or twiddling your thumbs waiting for someone else to do it when you have the where you have the talent, the know how to do it yourself? Now, with the Ubuntu project, before Stephen passed away, I I was one of the people because there there were other people who said he reached out to them to carry it on because he was going through um, blindness at the time, before he, before he passed away untimely. Um, he said, because um, what, he passed away in August, right? Yeah, because I remember mm-hmm. where I was when it happened. And mm-hmm. to me, for somebody who I've only known for such a short time, just his passing away and the legacy that he carried, for me to know where in the world I was and how I received the news shows how important he is to people like us and 
because of what he did and his his passion and resilience in doing it. So one of the regrets that I had was he reached out to me for two years to deliver my bio, and I mm-hmm. never got it to him on time. And on and top you of and that, me both. My, exactly, <laughs> I get to and my that. birthday mm-hmm. was the following week of his passing. Mm-hmm. So I felt especially bad because he reached out to me. I didn't have to reach out to him. He wanted to do this honor to me, and I just got in my own way to not make that happen. The other thing was when he reached out to me, I felt bad because it wasn't because I told him then I just didn't want to do it. It's too much work. Yes, it is a lot of work, even keeping up with it. That's why I did it, in, like you mentioned, in my own way. I wasn't mm-hmm. going – the way he did it was so meticulous, was so – and it was necessary the way he did it that I have to respect it um, the way he did it, that I'm like, I'm not going to be able to do this. So um, I, so he, we had the initial meeting in either April or May of 2016. Um, I took a job that I had to go to Europe in in June 2016 to August. And even though I turned down the opportunity in either April or May when we talked in the Starbucks in Union Square, I remember exactly where we had the conversation, um, he was trying to reach out to me while I was in Europe. I'm like, dude, I don't want to be bothered with this project <laughs> while I'm in Europe. So mm-hmm. I ignored his calls and feel really bad about that because, again, when you do things like that, you don't know if you'll ever have the opportunity to speak to that person again even if it was just, you know, a hello. And I felt really bad about that because I'm like, oh, God, I was ignoring his calls, and then he has a heart attack. Um, But when I thought about it, I said, okay, let me do it this way, and then I'll make it happen. And I got the opportunity to meet with Mark sometime later, like maybe a few months later. I forgot when Mm -hmm. I actually got to meet Mark. And uh, we talked about, um, we talked about Stephen, the legacy he left, and what to do with this. And I was just like, man, as much as I want to be a part of this, I can't really be involved because whatever I do, I can't put my own platform on the back burner. I made mm-hmm. that mistake too many times with people in our community. And I said, this is a mistake I will never make again. So... Um, so needless to say, I did help them to, you know, create a logo, reach out to certain people, and they took it off and done a very, very, very good job keeping the legacy going, adding more people to the bios. It, they know it's a lot of work. I, oh, guess, yeah. I couldn't even tell you, but just to see them two really taking it on, creating a website, an Instagram account, bringing, bringing back the Facebook page for it. This is what we need. I just can't tell. What You know what? We need like a conference of some sort, getting all mm-hmm. of our people together, all of the people who are featured in this, um, this series, and really sit us down, despite whatever our differences are, 
whatever shades were thrown, whatever, you know, men versus women, gay versus queer, SGL versus queer, it doesn't matter. We all need to put all of our differences aside and say, platforms like Collections, the G-Listed, Ubuntu, we all need to push these agendas forward because aren't we supposed to be tired of everybody else dictating Mm -hmm. what our culture is all about and they don't even know much about it? And I even give Ubuntu very much props and respect because one thing that I kept out of respect kept as a secret out of respect for Stephen was um, he didn't want anybody to know that he is a white male because Mm -hmm. he's very passable as biracially black. Mm -hmm. And he was raised by black people. Mm So, you know, I just, when I met him in 2015, I just assumed he was black. And when he told me, I was just like, wow, and you're doing (laughs) this for us? Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh. So... I didn't want to, like, be all over enthusiastic about it because I feel like, gosh, it shouldn't take a white person to do this. But I said, I'll accept it from anybody, okay? Mm-hmm. This is some, a project that needs to be done. Straight people ain't doing it for us. So, hey, let a white gay man do it for us. And now we have another white gay man who's taking it over. And, mm-hmm. and the way he's done it, he's been so respectful about it because there was a challenge with um, – I can't remember, a bodybuilder or a wrestler that was posted with a bio and people like me didn't know that the guy was ever out the closet. Ah. Um, and, you know, mm-hmm. and that's very sensitive subject. Like, we could look at people like Luther Vandross, even though everybody could say, yeah, we know Luther's gay. Luther never came out. So do you mm-hmm. put him on or not? One person I actually had an issue with when Stephen was doing it was Malcolm X. I said, mm. Malcolm X, I believe, they out or they try to out him as a way to destroy his legacy, like saying he's bisexual makes him less of a leader, less of a man. And I don't think we in the LGBTQ community should even, especially black intersectionality, should not even play into that. Mm-hmm. And so when I let him know, I said, as a white person who's doing it, I feel like you're doing what has been trying to been done for so many years. So I'm glad that Mark respects that um, mm-hmm. because I take umbrage with the mentioning of uh, Malcolm X, and it's because I have the highest respect for him. I don't want sexual preference or sexuality to be part of his identification that he never claimed, especially done in a way to kind of like, put a mark on him because putting a mark on him for sexuality is putting a mark on us saying we're less than human mm-hmm. for not being heterosexual mm-hmm. people. Mm-hmm. So I don't know who started that, but piss on them for that. <laughs> <laughs> but, well, um, I mean, you know, mm-hmm. well, you know, how did you, what made you see that blogging was the platform, the way that you could do the work that you do. How did you do, you know, because you were blogging before a whole lot of people I know who now, you know, who you, like you said, the ones who you hear about, oh, they've got this blog and all that. You've been doing this. Now, mm. how, did, how did you, what made you say, say, you know what, I see this and this is how I'm going to work with it? 
I mean, as, ever since I was a child, I loved to write. Loved mm-hmm. to write. Even if it was scribbling notes, I just loved having a pen in my tape and piece of paper in my hand, and I would doodle something. So going second way into the blogging, it was um, I had a buddy over in town when I was living in Chicago visiting me from New York. He started a blog. Um, this was back in 2005. He started a blog, and then his circle of friends in New York had their own personal blogs where, you know, treat them like journals. Oh, this is what mm-hmm. I did over the weekend, post pictures, write, whatever they had in their mind. So I wanted to do that too. However, I just didn't want to write about me, 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 me. I just, <laughs> I'm not that self-centered like that. Mm-hmm. Half mm-hmm. the time, I don't even like the personal attention. I just like the attention of the G-listed. So um, I asked him to show me how to do it. It seems really difficult, but once I got the hang of it, I still was kind of undecided about what I wanted to write about until I saw some music blogs, and I love music. So it was great. Mm-hmm. I could write about my love of music. The LGBT part didn't come along until... 2008 or nine, whenever the Noah's Ark movie came out, mm-hmm. um, I wanted to write about how much I liked it, and I got to interview Jensen. Um, so, you know, that kind of, like, put me on the map with the black LGBTQ community as far as a blogger. Um, but I was kind of uncomfortable of putting more into the LGBT side because I've already had this audience doing black pop culture. And I also wanted to get out the gossip part of it because I was part of the whole gossip thing mm-hmm. when Media Takeout first started doing it. So um, I started losing readers, and people, like my popularity in Chicago, really got really big because, you know, I had this hetero people who loved me for the music stuff and the entertainment. Then I got the gay people who loved me for, you know, mentioning what's hot and popping on the scene. And I just, like, I don't know what to do. So I took a year and a half off to find myself, to find my voice, because I don't know what to do here. And um, that's how I came up with the G-Listed in late 2011. I mean, officially didn't start in, until 2012. Actually, I'm sorry, it was the G-List Society. I came up with the name mm-hmm. in 2010, um, summer of 2010, or no, I'm sorry, April of 2010. I came up with the name. I didn't start publishing it until January 2012. And that's when I figured, okay, I'm going to lose everybody I had because I've already been gone <laughs> for a year and a half. Mm-hmm. Whoever wants to rock with me doing this LGBTQ stuff, because, I mean, we only have had a few outlets over the years online. Um, Rod 2.0 was doing it for a long time. Keith Boykin mm-hmm. was doing it. Jazz Mechanic, who was my favorite blogger oh, in yeah. the black LGBTQ space, mm-hmm. uh, was, was doing it. I was so heartbroken when she shut her blog down because it helped me understand the women in our space and mm-hmm. what, you know, their issues were and who was doing what in our spaces, and for her to take it down, I just felt like she robbed me. (laughs) Um, You know, so amused, and, you know, there's all these spaces that we've had that are no longer around, and even I remember a conversation, Darian Aaron was another one. I had a conversation with him 
right before I started the Gila Society. And it, he was like, you know, it's not really a popping space. You're not going to make money off of this just to let you know. So why do you really want to do this? I said, you know what, I have the vision, I have the ambition to drive the heart to do it. If it draws thousands of people, great. If it doesn't, great. Somebody will get something out of it. People still send me com- content to this day to add to it. So mm-hmm. apparently people see a purpose, whether they only check it to see if they're on it or if people follow it on a regular basis or daily basis or whenever I post. I'm grateful for it. I'm grateful for it. And, and I go back to where I said I saw the need. I'm a great mm-hmm. writer, you know, not to two mile horn, but I am a great writer. <laughs> I really have a pa- uh, the passions that I have, and this is where I finally got to narrow it down what the G listed is all about two years ago, was because my two biggest passions in life is um, pop culture, well, three, pop culture, black people, and black LGBTQ people. Now, I'm stretching it out more where it's not going to be just entirely black, but Mm -hmm. that will still be the epicenter of the G-listed. Do you find that with the G-listed, you know, where you're going and what you've been doing, and you're talking about urban pop and culture, you know, sometimes, like, people want to act like there's black people and there's black gay people, and, like, somehow or other we're not one and the same. Do you find with what you're able to do with the G-listed, say, like, you know, well, queer culture, we have not turned in our black card. We still black. And you like, you know, this is all black culture. Do you find that you're able to, like, erase that line that sometimes you see? For me, I get to blur the lines. Um, Because... Mm-hmm. I hate to say this, but I'm a, I have to be honest. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's our millennial generation of, of people, people in our community who draw the line and really make the line visible. We're not mutually exclusive. We're just a part of a bigger culture. To be mutually exclusive, that means we have nothing to do with blackness. We have everything to do with blackness. The things that I write, when I write it from the perspective of a black gay male, I get so many comments, even especially from hetero people, that they could relate to it too. It's not specific. Certain things I do write are specific, but it's more so I write things that anybody could relate to. And I could change my content where I don't make LGBTQ specific and get way more of a following than I have now. I could do that and have been told to do that or suggested. Mm-hmm. I don't do that because my heart goes to my people who feel like they need their voice. And they may not see me, see themselves in me, if I just cater to the entire world. Mm-hmm. And we say that all the time, but we say what we want, we say what we need, but we don't behave in it, unfortunately. I think what, 20 years ago, 10 years ago, we did, but in these days, we keep saying we need to see more 
faces and spaces where we're represented. But when we say that, we don't really run and support it because we'll find one piece of difference and shut that human down and say, no, we won't go and support that individual. Like with me, I speak more empowerment than I do oppression. So a lot of younger readers won't check me out for that reason, <laughs> especially those who identify as queer more than they do gay, lesbian, bi. Um, if I don't show enough of pictures of us in half-nakedness, <laughs> then I got this whole sectionality of our sectionality of people that, won't pay attention because I'm not showing enough flesh. I'm not talking enough sex and debauchery. Mm-hmm. So if I were to be very concerned about that thing, I, those things, I would be so confused. I would not write as much because I would still be right now figuring out how to please everybody at once. The saying goes, if you build it, they will come. Mm-hmm. When you are a builder and being a leader as a builder, leaders don't don't ask the constituents, well, what should I do? They usually tell the constituents, this is what I'm about, this is what I'm going to do, or this is what you will see. If you like it, come follow. If you like it, come check it out. If you're intrigued, Let's do this together and then move forward. That's what I always have to remind myself, too, because, yes, it gets disheartening for all the shade I've been through from black gay men, queer men, Mm -hmm. in our community over the last couple of years in particular, where I feel like I'm gaining more enemies than I am allies because I choose to be an individual I choose to go forward. I choose to also expose what is holding us back as a community so that we can really move forward. And people say they want that, but they don't behave in the way to want it. Mm. So back to your question, I write because I can. I write because I have the heart to do it. I write because of authenticity. And now you make me want to go write after this and write because mm-hmm. I need to start writing for my blog post for next week. Mm-hmm. Um, because you know what? Somebody's going to love it. And I do. The biggest challenge for me was to be able to come up with a platform that unified all of my passions together, to be able to write about the black LGBTQ experience, or I don't want to say black, the LGBTQ experience, and mix it with pop culture, that still will alienate a lot of hetero people who really would love to see what I have to say on the pop culture experience, but they don't want to read what they say, the gay shit. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I just can't care no more. I had to stop caring. I had to stop being concerned and stressing myself out. Mm -hmm. 
and discouraged myself to the point where I stopped writing until I got courage again. Mm-hmm. And this well, you thing, know, so you, know, you are here to bring to bring this, you know. So I I I can understand, you know. I mean, because sometimes you do hear all these these voices. But you are here to bring this. I mean, if you step and you talk about urban culture and you talk about, okay, urban culture, which at one point in time which was black culture, now it's urban mm-hmm. culture and you have as many, I mean, I know you wrote a thing about um, Justin Timberlake. I mean, he's doing it. Um, rap music. I mean, I heard a piece on NPR about in Russia, they have a school where they're learning how to do rap. This is all urban culture. So, I mean, you know, maybe you don't have, maybe there are people who don't get what you're talking about, but you have a, a view, you you have a, a lens on this, and your voice is, is important because of that. And it sort of like chronicles the history of some of these things that we're seeing coming because it drives you crazy when you have particularly young people um, sometimes you're millennials or anything where they talk about what they're doing like it's all brand new and it isn't. Right. It's been something that's been happening and coming along. And I have to let everybody know who's listening to this that we have to be very thankful. What I call the greatest invention in the world is the Internet. Mm-hmm. For without the Internet, we wouldn't have the the plethora of voices and platforms that we have today. As far as news, we would be stuck on the same channels on television, the same newspapers, the same magazines. We know how expensive it is to put out a magazine, so just to dedicate a magazine that's only to uh, our specific intersectionalities is even more of a challenge as far as cost. To be on the Internet costs little to nothing, depending on mm-hmm. how much maintenance you want to do. So whether it's you want to create a voice or listen to different voices, this is the platform that has people like me, that has people like Michelle, and everybody else that we have mentioned on in this conversation. I, and, and, that's, and that's why I love it. I just love, love, love it. Now we have social media. They now mm-hmm. have given the world to get they give their own voices to things, you know, from from the group called Black Twitter to, you know, comment sections of blog posts to comment sections of Facebook posts. We all have a voice here that we didn't get to have, and it's even bigger than a vote at times. Not all the time, mm-hmm. but it's even bigger <laughs> than a vote because I, still, I still feel like voting is very necessary. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, we're going to take our second break here. And, um, again, you're listening to Collections by Michelle Brown with my guest, Wadey Grant. And we will be right back. Collections by Michelle Brown airs every Thursday at 7 p.m. You can subscribe now and listen to the podcast on Blog Talk Radio, iTunes, Stitcher, or SoundCloud. 
be sure to like the Collections by Michelle Brown Facebook page and mark your calendar so you never miss an episode. We're back. Wadey, we're coming into the home stretch here, and I want to ask you a couple things. Like, you have uh, contributed to, um, been quoted, featured, contributed to other things. Um, you talked about being out of the country about the time that Stephen died. How do you find that place? How does that relate to what you're doing? Do you find, when you were in, in Europe, did you find uh, more receptiveness? Do you find that you're getting followers from outside of the United States, but not necessarily part of the black diaspora, but part of the queer diaspora coming from across the country? And how does that influence what you're thinking and writing about? Hmm. Well... I say this first before I, like, directly answer that question. The biggest lesson that I had to learn as a person in our community, a media personality in our community, to really keep full engagement of everybody that has heard of you is to make yourself inaccessible. Now, for some people, they'll be like, wait, what? You say you keep yourself away from the community? Well, yes, from somebody who's been involved in the community for as long as I have, almost two decades, and I finally got the lesson of how inaccessibility creates more respect, yes. The more that I have tried to partner up with people in our community to, you know, be up close and personal, to be supportive of events and everything else, the least respect I was getting. And I noticed when I first meet people and they got to know who I am, oh, my gosh, you're great. You know, they embrace me. They welcome me. They want to support me and all of that stuff. But when I want to return the support or get up close and personal and be accessible, which I thought that's better for us, especially as small of a, smaller of a demographic we are, that is not is quite the opposite. So when I have gone to, let's say, different parts of the world or get to meet people, um, the reception is always great, especially when they've never heard of me. Then mm-hmm. they understand, you know, my platform and, you know, just how we can be, you know, just in this, in this, whatever, this space together and really make our voices thrive. It's really great um, to do that. And it's great for me to meet voices that I've never heard of or voices that I've followed before and never got to meet, um, especially when I was in Europe. Like, I wanted to make sure, when I first heard of the Paris Black Pride, I said, I need to be there. Mm-hmm. Um, I, when I was in UK, I, I know I needed to be at the UK Black Pride, and I finally, after years of communication online, got to meet Philip Puka, who is the um, 
who who's one of the founders, but also the head of Black UK Black Pride. So it was great to meet her. It was great to meet. Well, I even though I met BC Alimi before being there, it was great to meet him in his home turf. It was great to meet so many other people who I never got to um, know before. Rob Berkeley, um, Topher Campbell, and Topher Campbell I followed for a long time, but first finally got to meet him. So it was definitely great. And then here in the United States, um, I remember last year, I was especially excited to be in the space of um, the almost all of the currently running black media, black LGBTQ media um, people, like... Um, who was it? Um, TV magazine, the Unleashed Voice magazine. The people from they're from Memphis, Tennessee. Um, it's actually a mother and son duo who are both, you know, openly lesbian, openly openly gay. Hmm. Um, um, who else? Ronald Matters, um, Ebony Bell from Tag magazine, Swerve magazine. Oh, no, uh, John Roach and Chicago Brothers United. It was great to be in the space with them, and there's quite a few other people that I, I couldn't, I don't remember. But um, at, at the same time, being in the space of of more than half of the black pride organizations, we were all at one conference for one weekend. I'm like, we need more of this. We and, mm-hmm. and thank you to Earl Folks for putting that together, and he's going to do it again this year in 2018. Mm-hmm. So, so to be in those spaces, and even to this day, I get to still have camaraderie with these people from the UK, from France, from Amsterdam, from um, all the people that I met um, in Houston during the Black Pride Conference. It was just, it, this is what I love. This mm-hmm. is what I love. It's just now I have to, like, move differently. But <laughs> who cares? Mm-hmm. It's just, you know, I, find, I get to connect with people in the way I want to connect with. And also, too, like, I don't want to... For everybody who's listening, regardless of what sectionality you're part of or how you identify, everything we're talking about, yes, so far it seems to be black LGBTQ, but that's not just all who I am. So I'm open to everybody, and I'm glad to meet everybody that I get to meet because even my inspiration is not always entirely black LGBTQ or black. So for all the people that I got to meet in New York and really respect what I do, I'm very humbled and appreciate and gives me the opportunity to write certain things that I like to write about. Um, I could go on and on, but yeah, I just, I really love meeting people and it's just, but you know, you made up, you brought up a really good point. Um, when I was doing an interview about starting, you know, doing collections, I had someone who immediately said, you know, took it like, well, that because I was black and queer, that that was the only thing that I was interested in and that that was the only thing that I was going to talk about. And I'm going like, well, yes, I'm black and I'm queer and lesbian. I'm Midwest. I said, but I'm a whole lot more, and I think that that might give me a lens to look at things, but that's not the only thing that I intend to talk about, you know. And they were like, oh, 
uh, like that surprise, do you still, do you get that, that people want to put you in that box and that you still have to sort of say, hey, wait a minute, I'm about more? And when you're talking to others who are looking at following in your footsteps, do you have to remind them to to be more than just in that box? Yes, and I say it's my responsibility to do so. Mm-hmm. Um, just because you never know what somebody's first impression of you is or even if they followed you for some time. If they only see certain types of content or features, um, like the big list that I do every year, the Black LGBTQ Power 100, People will just say, okay, his website is all about black LGBTQ people. Well, it's not mm-hmm. entirely. So, mm-hmm. but it's still just my job as the writer, the wordsmith, whatever, journalist, um, to convey the message that I want to convey. If they got it wrong or if they have me limited, then it's my opportunity to show them. And I, I'll use an example. Um I get, because I'm a blogger, I get publicists hit me up all the time. Hey, can you come to this event and come cover it? I got somebody you may want to interview, check out this film, whatever, launch, da-da-da-da-da. In the LGBTQ space, the ones who hit me up, they usually hit me up about somebody who's black. And I love RuPaul's Drag Race. I love all mm-hmm. the contestants. Well, almost all the contestants. I do love them all, even the ones who mm-hmm. are annoying on there. I love all the contestants. So it's not all black people. It's more probably white and Latino than there is black. I don't know. But I love all the contestants. So I really want to follow all of them. But I had to, like, kind of meet some of them in person at the drag con just to be in front of their faces and let them know I want to feature them, blah, 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 and they was willing to chat with me, whatever. When it comes to the publicist, some of them I do have to let them know. I say, well, I see you represent these other people who are not black. Please send me stuff about them, too. Mm-hmm. I want to go to their events. I want to cover this, that, and the third. I'm not just black, 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 blackity black. Um, even though I am, but I need to follow up with this because this is a revelation I even had to myself that I didn't know I had built it with, built within me for so many years. Because of that statement I made, I want the ignorance of our black LGBTQ people to be done with by trying to chastise me for saying stuff like that. It's like, well, why do you feel like you need to reach out to the white people? I said, because, first of all, I'm not just going to be identified by however you identify me. I identify however I want to be identified. I'm human, number Mm. one. Number two, I have a lot more to say than just the small space of black LGBTQ. I said that's the epicenter, that's the centerpiece of the platform. So when I want to reach out to other people, I will do it. You don't have to follow it if it offends you. If it offends you, that has to do with you and your identity, not mine. Mm -hmm. I'm very comfortable in my identity. And I could be so comfortable that I could be with all kinds of other identities. So, and mind you, you and I talking on the phone or talking on this interview don't have the exact 
identity, even as another black gay male. Like you bring up region, you could bring up religion, you could bring up um, background, all kinds of backgrounds where that's why we are individuals because we're uniquely made. So mm-hmm. I could reach out to anybody for any reason, for any type of content. Because truth be told, I hate to say this publicly, but I swear I did say it in the interview already, but I've been getting far more support from non-black gay men than I, do, than I have not black gay men. Mm-hmm. And I mean consistent support. So I'm going to reach out to whoever I want to, but it's just, yes, having to defend that I'm not in this box. It's my responsibility to my platform. I could be annoyed all I want to, and it does get annoying sometimes, but I'm (laughs) coming up with a solution, you know, what I'm doing um, soon. It was supposed to have been done, you know, this week, but I probably won't do it until February is that I'm going to reach out to everybody who I've featured, everybody who has my contact information, and give them a one-stop shop piece of script. This is who I am. This is my platform. You belong on this platform. Mm -hmm. So if you feel like your skin color is in the way, it's not. If you feel like like if you're woman but you see more men content, no, that shouldn't discourage you. I need, I want more women content. So send me your, send me your events, send me your book, send me your this, whatever. Um, if you feel like, oh well, you don't represent me because I'm non-binary. Well, you, I need non-binary content. So why don't you be the first? Mm, so uh-huh. you know, that's that's just how it goes. People, we, it's this whole media game is a two-way street. In order for you and us as individuals to be featured anywhere, we have to put ourselves out there. I've, and I know as a person who has dealt with self-doubt for too many years to tell you that I have gotten in my own way because I felt like, ooh, I probably don't deserve to be in this space. Ooh, they probably won't accept me, so I won't even try. Mm. But how dare I go run and complain about those people? Well, they don't feature black people anyways. Or they don't feature um, gay men like me. Or I don't identify as queer, so they ain't going to, you know, do nothing for me. I never gave them the opportunity to turn me away. Mm-hmm. I never or, gave or them the opportunity. Mm-hmm. Or, to, or to, to take a look at you. They might not have even thought about you. <laughs> but to Exactly. Like, oh. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's unfortunate mm-hmm. we live in a culture that's that kind of like celebrates that kind of behavior. We want to call people out for something they're doing unknowingly, or we want to blame them for something that they have no intentions of doing instead of just reaching out to them and say, hey, you know, I would like to fit in. Now, if a person say, well, I don't have the bandwidth to do it, that's one thing. But unless they say, I don't want anything to do with you and your kind, then there's nothing to complain about when they don't feature people like you. If it ain't me, go to the next one. I'm not the only one. Mm-hmm. Go to, you know, go to Query, go to Huffington Post, go to TUV and Swerve and all. There's so many platforms. 
so many platforms. Well, well, we're coming to the end. I'm going to ask you this. You know, you know how the song says, you know, if you can make it there, you can make it anywhere. You went Ooh. from... You went from west to east, and now there you are in New York. You're still there. And you're resilient. You're doing it. And it sounds like to me, you know, you're evolving. Like the G-list, like you said, what it was when you started and what it's going to be in 2018 is going to be amazing. It's going to be the biggest that people have ever seen it. And I'm not saying Mm -hmm. it's just because that's the thing to say. I had mm-hmm. every intention of making it that way. That's right. That's right. You know, well, Wadi, I want to thank you for being with me today. And, you know, now, what is coming up in 2018 that you want people to know about? Or what's the best way if they don't know about the G-Listed and aren't on your Facebook page and, or they have something that they want to share with you? What is the best way for them to get the information to you? Well, first I say check out all the content. Social media is all the G listed. T A G G L I S T E D. The website is the G listed com. Um, as far as reaching out to me to say, Hey, I would like to be featured, um, well, I mean, I'm open for submissions anyways, but that's, that's the information that I will share on a blog post um, in the near future. Okay. But um, my email address is wg for g at thegelisted.com. Email me there. Send me what you have. Be very detailed on your platform. What are you trying to promote? And make sure it's current, as in through no more than three to six months or no more than three months old, preferably no more mm-hmm. than six but, um, and then also, too, like, you know, you'll be prepared to be interviewed if interested. Also, just because you send something doesn't mean guaranteed to be interviewed or featured or, you know, or I don't like you or something like this. Sometimes I, don't, I make you so many requests at once that I don't get to them all. Um, you know, trying in 2018 to answer every email now, that's the goal. Um, so far, it's working. But uh, but I haven't received much, so um, yeah. So that's how you reach out to me. Check out the site, and to also see how you will fit in there. No, then this is for any media you reach out. Know what the target audience is. Know what the content is. That's how, and then that's how you will introduce yourself. If you see my platform is about motorcycles but you want to promote to me your book that has nothing to do with motorcycles, um, you shouldn't come to me. Go somewhere else uh-huh. that, you know, does vehicles and motorcycles. If you see me, you know, talking about traveling and drinking, but you have something about, you know, church and religion, no. But I'm more open when it comes to topic, but just make sure that it's something empowering, that you have a real platform and give me enough information where I don't have to go out of my way to really research you because that's not how the media game works mm-hmm. unless unless you're on their radar. Um, but if you're not on their radar, you need to give them so much information that they will be overwhelmed with it and then say, okay, let's go. Let me take these snippets out. But I had one person hit me up and say, oh, you should feature me because I run this organization in Florida. 
<laughs> and that's it. No website, mm-hmm. no social media, no bio, nothing. And I didn't respond. And then he, I guess he took that and noticed that, so he finally sent me more information. And then I responded to him. I said, this is great stuff. I'll follow up with you in January because I don't really do much publishing at the last two weeks of every year. Mm-hmm. So, well, why do yeah. You, uh, yeah, again, I think I want to thank you for being with me. I have made a goal. You know, I usually, in 2017, I don't, I think I made it to New York a couple of times, and I was only, like, in and out. I intend to try to get there more in 2018, and I look forward to seeing you face-to-face and seeing that, that wonderful smile of yours, which I'm going to tell you, there have been times when you have recognized or said something about me on your page in your blog post, and I look at that picture, and it, it always has been at the time when you know you have those moments like, why am I doing this? No one cares. And there you are, and I know, you know, it makes me feel good. I appreciate that. You do it for so many in our community, and I want to thank you. I look forward to seeing you, you know. And I thank you, too, and um, definitely 2018, I definitely look forward to seeing you. We have to figure out where that will be, if it's Chicago again or somewhere. But, um, I, you know, just, just I, I really want to return to love because you're one of the few people who, like you just said that I have done to you, is you will send me pleasant messages and tag me on some pleasant message <laughs> about my platform at a time when I'm, like, got the worst attitude about it. And I'm just like, yeah. you know, but, um, and, but you know what? When I read messages like yours, because people just don't know. People or people really need to know, even with, even when it's for your own self, how a positive message goes a long way. You never know when it, when you speak good into other people, you may have saved the individual's life. You may have saved them from themselves. You may have saved them from making a terrible decision or you know a life altering mistake. And it doesn't hurt to pay a compliment. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mm-hmm. hurt, and it doesn't hurt to do it in front of other people. If it's if it's in your heart to give gratitude to someone or tell somebody good job, doesn't matter where you are, who you're in front of. Do it because that also good will come back to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, Adi, Adi, I want to. Thank you. Um, Wait, you have a great afternoon. Get over there and start writing on that blog. I'm going to be watching for it. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you. You did you know, Yeah, you know, hey, that's on my, that's the other part of my uh, weekend is to get some more writing in. Um, I'm glad to have you in my life. Okay? I'm glad and to I, have you in my life, too. Okay, and I wish you the best this year because, you're going to get it, and I'll be right there celebrating with you. Thank you so much. Okay. Uh, okay, well, you have a good afternoon. You too. Take care. Bye, everybody. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>
Well, we've come to we've come to the end of another episode of Collections by Michelle Brown. I really want to thank my guests, Wadey Grant, and the inspiration and resilience that he has shown. And you know, keep telling our stories, Wadey, and keep being you. You can listen to the show each week by following Collections by Michelle Brown on Blog Talk Radio, iTunes, Stitcher or SoundCloud, and be sure and like my Facebook page so that you never miss an episode or information about our guest. That's all for today. Please join us next week when I'll introduce you to another amazing individual living between the lines, standing boldly in the crosshairs of their intersectionality, and creating change. That's right here on Collections by Michelle Brown. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Grand Canyon University, an affordable private Christian university, is one of the largest and fastest growing universities in the country, offering more than 270 programs online. In addition to federal grants and aid, GCU's online students received nearly $130 million in institutional scholarships in 2022. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private, Christian, affordable. Visit gcu.edu slash myoffer to see the scholarships you may qualify for.